Hello and welcome to Namaste with Renee. I am your host, Renee Marcoux, CEO of the iHeart Academy and president of the nonprofit Brady's Foundation. In this podcast, we talk about how to enhance your wellness and disrupt the limitation mindset so you can thrive with a healthy mind, body, and spirit. Hello and welcome to Namaste with Renee. I'm your host, Renee Marcoux. So excited to share with you my special guest who is here to shed some light upon you today with your pets and your dog specifically. So my guest, her name is Sasha Armstrong. She is a dog shaman, the dog shaman, I should say. And she is a dog behaviorist and founder of Creator and creator of the Canine State of Mind program. She specializes in the connection of spirits to this world in a way that supports healing the sacred human canine connection. And I am so excited to have you here today. Thanks so much for being here, Sasha. Thank you, Renee. It's such an honor, really. Um, So happy anytime I get the opportunity to talk about these incredible animals um, and their presence in our lives and and the way that they the way that we partner with them uh, it's it's a it's an old it's an ancient partnership and uh, it's it's one that when I look at it in this time in this day and age in this space um, it's sad to me because I don't feel that we are evolving or showing up in the most important, healthy, bountiful ways that, that we can and that we should be, uh, you know, for ourselves, right, most importantly, but then our relationships with our dogs are, are really direct mirrors, right, as to how we show up in life and and how we show up in relating to to them. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's so important, you know, that we we started to talk about this earlier that um, it's it's the time that we need to start shifting our perspective and um, and coming from a bigger, more grander, expansive vision of how we, communicate, how we relate to our dogs, how we how we set them up in all aspects of their life, not just from a behavioral and a psychological, but from a nutritional and environmental and emotional aspects as well. Because as I always say, the relationship that I love to create with a canine and with a human is like a blank canvas. Mm-hmm. And so when we create that masterpiece of a relationship, we're adding all of the many beautiful layers to that, you know, to that work of art, right? It's not just, it's not linear and it's not just, it doesn't just come from one, you know, adding one little bit to the canvas. There's so many aspects of that relationship that we have to look at, so many different layers that need to be addressed in order to have this extraordinary partnership that that we deserve and that they deserve yes right absolutely and I'm already just firing off these questions are just coming to my mind where do you start 
like if, if I have, and I know that there are so many dog um, owners and as listeners to this podcast. So where do we begin to really create that loving relationship between us and our little babies, really? <laughs> oh, you bring up a couple of really interesting things there. So yeah. first of all, it's in the language. Mm-hmm. So whereas we talk about the owners of dogs, we don't own them. Right. <laughs> Right, right. We have to change our language because language and words are power Mm. and they, they create so much in the way that we understand the way that we relate and, and just how that shows up. And so when we start looking and we want to be the most incredible pet, you know, dog parents that we can be, right. We want to we want to be the most uh, supportive and, um, and, and helpful and nurturing and loving pet parents that we can possibly be. And so, you know, in, in light of that, we have to start changing our dialogue around training, right? This is a very common word that everybody uses. And it's so interesting, even in a client call, in a new client call where I of course, go in in great detail about what my program is all about and my philosophy and methodology. And none of that includes dog training, right? Because I don't believe in, I think it's old and outdated. Mm -hmm. And that's the last thing that dogs need is to be trained. They need to be educated. They need to be communicated to in a language that they understand when we, even in those conversations where I'm never using the word train at the end of that conversation, that new client is still locked into that word of training. It's so ingrained in us. And so we have to start undoing that hard wiring, that societal programming that goes, that just equates, we have a dog, they need to be trained. And when we think about what actually, what does training mean? Well, it's control and manipulation. Mm. And so when we look at what a dog truly is, which is man's best friend, best friend, we need to create bonds that are rooted in trust and respect, not control and manipulation. But we have, in order to do that, we have to understand the dog. We have to understand their language. We have to understand what their needs are and where they come from. And when that, when we're able to tap into that and align with that, it opens this most powerful portals for that extraordinary willing cooperation to take place, that that bond that's rooted in trust and respect. I've never had a client in 25 years that has gone through my program and later comes back to say to me, you know, Sasha, I'm, I've, I've desperately been missing the fact that I am controlling my dog and, and ordering them around and commanding them to do this, that, and the other. And it's just this constant, I've never heard a client say, <laughs> I miss that. Right. 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 I'm sure. Cause it also will take off the pressure of the, the parent of the dog. 
You know, it's like, who really wants to control at the end of the day? I mean, I know I don't. So yeah, to have that. Right, right. Wow. So I love that you're already just sharing that right off the bat, like really be mindful of the words we're choosing because the words do have power. Thank you for that. Yeah. Yeah. It, that's where it starts. You know, it, it, it really is because when we have a, when we're not equipped with the understanding and the knowledge of what can be in our relationship with our dogs, we're left going back with an old outdated, just kind of understanding of, well, I need to train my dog or I need, I need to, my dog needs to show up in this way for me, or I need to have my dog be obedient and, and well-behaved, but yeah, we're missing the link. We're, we're, we're missing the fact that the reason that dogs are not showing up in the best version of themselves in the most ideal way that they can mm is due to the behavioral issues that are created because we're neglecting to focus on what is most important in our bond and relationship with our dogs. Mm. So because of that, the behaviors show up as stress made manifest. Okay. Yes. So that's a big, I, I always say it's, my, it's one of my many mantras. Hmm. Dogs do the best with the information that we give them. Mm-hmm. Period. <laughs> no <laughs> ifs, ands, or buts. Exactly. Oh my goodness. Well, just so many different memories are just coming to my mind as you're sharing this. And I'm like, I even know for my dog, Cody, I was just telling you a lot of my listeners know about Cody. I talk about him in my podcast all the time. I'm posting pictures of us all the time. And, um, as I was just sharing with you, he's 18 and a half years old in his life right now at the time of this recording. And so he has shown me how to really become more patient in his senior years, how to really show up for him and what his needs are. He's always been the dog at the door, wagging his tail, waiting for me to come in, just like so happy. And we would play together for several minutes before I go and like fill up his water, you know, um, bowl or something like that. So the bond that we've created and my family will tell you, it's like out of this world kind of a thing. Cause I've want, like, I've had that whole, um, looking at Cody as like, you're not less than me, Cody, like you're my equal. I look at all animals that way anyway. And I, I know that this is a, not a common, uh, way of thinking for most people, but, um, for me, like I respect and love animals and I don't think that I'm any more important than any of them, like including all humans. So for me, I've had that experience with Cody, but our language in my household, like I got him when I was in high school, was living at home with my family. Like we were like thinking training, you know, how do we train Cody so he can use the bathroom outside? Like, how do we, you know, when we all came together and doing so, and 
um, and everything. But even him just being around, like my brother brought home a Rottweiler years later. At first they weren't friends. Then they ended up being obsessed with each other. So like just so many cool experiences that Cody has walked me through in this, in this whole lifetime. And so I'm just, I'm for the, everyone listening, um, you had mentioned the concept of, um, stress, what was stress man means manifest. How did you say that exactly? Sure. So when we, when we neglect to, and again, not because we're neglecting our dogs because we're intending to do so. Um, but they're, because we don't understand the needs of our dogs, it's very human focused, right? So it's very much about, that's just human nature. It's all about me, right? Like it has to be the way I want it, when I want it, how I want it, right? And, and instead of thinking about, I think it's rare for people. And, and I say this not coming from I don't say it flippantly. I come, I, I say it coming from years of experience and thousands of clients yeah. is that people don't stop and ask themselves in mid flow of the way that they're interacting with their dogs. Does this actually work for my dog? Mm. Does this mm. actually support my dog? I know when I want to be affectionate and when I give attention to them, I know that I want to do that. I know that when I'm feeling emotional and I need support from my dog, that I'm going to, you know, desire that from them. And I want them to be there to support me. But does that work for my dog? Mm. How am I doing that? And does that support my dog as well? So Again, it all goes back to this being able to understand what our dog's actual needs are. And the most important fundamental need for a dog is to understand where they fit in to their pack family dynamic and who is running the show. Oh, wow. Who are the leaders? Who are the ones that they can trust and respect to guide the way successfully and lead the pack to success? Okay. Mm -hmm. This is the most important fundamental need for a dog above and beyond food, above and beyond affection and love and memory foam dog beds and bones (laughs) and toys and all of it. Right? Yes. Because what it comes down to is success and survival or chaos and failure. Mm. And dogs are black and white creatures. It's you live and you're successful or the pack is chaotic and out of balance. And then when that is the state, it dies off. Oh, wow. This is the psychology of a wolf and you cannot take the wolf psychology out of the golden doodle, out of the great Dane, out of the chihuahua, out of the husky, out of the multi pedigree that comes out of the shelter. Mm -hmm. The wolf DNA and psychology is present. It's not something that is, 
at least to this point. And when we talk about the future of dogs, I am scared to even think about it because at the rate that we're going, we will be breeding something and creating something that is very far removed from a natural canine in its essence. And that's a whole other, that's a whole other topic that we could get down to. But going back to the most important aspect of a dog's life to give them safety and security and confidence and well-being and a, a feeling of peace and ease is knowing that they have leaders that they can trust and respect to guide the way and lead the pack successfully. All of my parents, all of my clients that are parents and have children, they get this more than anybody. Because I asked them, what is the most important thing to your child? Obviously, knowing that the parents are solidly in place, that the child always has a security and knowing that the parents are there to support them and protect them and guide them and provide for them for all of their needs. Mm. Well, dogs need the same thing. Same thing. They- wow. They need the same thing, but they need it in a different language, right? Because dogs and humans, and this is another very interesting, you know, subject to bring up is we speak very different languages, but we have some very fascinating overlaps in our, in our communication methods, Mm -hmm. eye contact, body language, energy. Right. So I always say dogs don't speak English. They speak energy. I like that. Well, so do we. Yes. So do we. Yes. Right. Absolutely. So, so we have so many different ways in which we overlap in our communication methods, but ultimately we are two different species that has different needs. But it all comes back to knowing that whether we're a dog or a human child, we need solid parental archetypal alpha figures in order to be grounded and content and successful beings, right, in, in our lives. So I'll put it like this. When our dogs don't receive that information, and that embodiment, the alpha leadership embodiment from the humans who are the ones best fit to fulfill that role in this time and space in our society. Are dogs fit to run the show? How many people say, oh my God, my dog runs the show. My dog calls the shot. My dog's the one that you know is in charge. Wow. But this is a big problem. Because can our dogs go and pay the bills and bring back the kill and go grocery shopping and manage the household and go do the errands? And no, right? No, we, we are the ones that need to be fulfilling that role. But if we're not embodying that job description in its entirety, in a language that our dogs understand, what do you think this creates in the dog's existence and relationship between them and their human? Mm, yeah. 
a lot of imbalance, imbalance. Yeah. a lot of stress, mm-hmm. a lot of anxiety because a dog is hardwired to know that in order for that pack unit, that family unit to be successful and survive, leaders, alphas need to be in place. And so that dog, when they don't receive that all important essential job description, no matter what the breed, no matter what the personality, no matter what the disposition, what do you think that dog is trying to do? Mm, It's like trying to fulfill. Right. Yeah, they're trying to fulfill and step up into that role because somebody has to do it. But again, it would be like, Renee, if I put you in in the CEO of Microsoft tomorrow, I said, sorry, Renee, your life depends on it. Right. You've got to do it. You've got to step up. You'd be like, oh, okay, I'm, I'm going to do the best that I can. I'm going to give it my all, but oh, I can't do it. I'm so stressed out. Exactly. I'm not cut out for this job. Right. I'm, not, I'm not capable of this, right? So that's what our dogs are living every day. Wow. wow. So... Getting back to why this becomes an issue is because your as your question said, what is that? What is stress made manifest? What does that mean? When our dogs are for unconsciously, unintentionally forced into a job description that they feel needs to be fulfilled, somebody's got to do it. So they have to pick up the slack mm. because the human aren't showing up in that embodiment, the behavioral issues and challenges that everybody experiences, and it's everybody, nobody is like separated or unique to this. Everybody is dealing with challenges and stressors and anxieties coming from their dog and the relationship. And it's all rooted in this one core reason which is the dog is stepping up or trying to step up into a role that causes them stress. And then all of the behavioral issues that we have are just manifestations of that core root of stress. Yes. Right? Yes. Yes. I'm thinking about even stories that I've heard of other dogs or other dogs that have been in family life or friend life, like along the years. And I just remember, um, and tell me if this is even accurate, but I remember thinking and so many times over and over again, that if the dog was behaving, you know, they couldn't hang out with other dogs because, you know, they were biting or rambunctious or just like whatever the owner wanted to call it too much or something like that. I remember thinking that it was never really the dog's problem. It wasn't the dog that was like, let me become a puppy and let me ruin people's lives. Like it was never in the dog to be that way. So it feels like to me, like this hearing what you've explained was that missing piece of like, you know, it was really based in the root of the parent of the dog in the, in the wrong mindset with the dog. Absolutely. 
yeah. nobody, nobody is equipped that that's the issue. And that's why like you and I having this conversation is so important because this information is not out there. Nobody is being educated on how to create extraordinary bonds and relationships with their dog, right? Like, when have you heard that? And I haven't. It's all, no, right. It's all focused on why isn't my dog behaving in the way I wanted to? And, and again, understanding that 99.9% .9 of the time when our dogs are misbehaving, like you said, it's due to human error. Hmm. We are the ones that created that behavior. And it's, this is not in saying that it's not to make people wrong. It's not, people are doing the best that they can. And all of the information that's out there at best is not valid, hmm. right? It's not, it's not satisfying the deep need of what needs to be you know, put out there and, and educating people on big scales, right? And, and at worst case situation, it's abusive and harmful. Right, right. It really is. And, and I, right. And I think that, like you said, like any human, any good human who's like going to adopt a dog or, you know, find a breeder for this dog and, and provide a home for this dog, right? I think that their hearts are in the right place, but exactly like what you said, it's, we are coming from a society of training a dog in order for the dog to perform a certain way that you want it to, or to perform in society the way that it must in order to go to dog parks or dog bars or wherever you're bringing your dog, that it has to look and act and be a certain way. But what you're saying is it's really the embodiment of the human and the responsibility of the human to understand what the dog really needs, which is the leader. It needs the leader. It needs to know that where I'm safe with you, leader, mama or papa, and I can lean into you and trust that you're going to show me the way. Wow. That is exactly. beautiful. And, and what that does, Renee, is it, it creates a free thinking animal. It creates a, a partnership, not a dictatorship. Yes. Yes. It is that partnership. Mm. Wouldn't yeah. you want a dog that provides a partnership that provides the love and the affection at all times and wants to feel that from you too? Wouldn't that be such an amazing dog companionship to have? Absolutely. And think of it like this, Renee. Do you want to be loved and pet all the time? Right. <laughs> right. Loved all the time. Maybe pet, not all the time. <laughs> you can <laughs> me from a distance at all times, <laughs> but I don't want to be held every yeah. minute of the day. <laughs> exactly. And remember what I said earlier, that these are the important things do we stop and think, man, I'm like, really like, does my dog want all these, like all this love, all this attention, all these pets? Like, does my dog want me in its face, kissing him all the time? Right, like, right. 
people don't think about that until they get bit in the face. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then they're forced to think about, oh, my dog doesn't like that. My dog's trying to tell me something. Mm-hmm. My dog is trying to establish a boundary. Yeah. I think I need to respect that or yeah. I'm going to get bit in the face. Now, it should never, ever come to a dog having to do that. We need to be respecting the dog's boundaries and personal space long before that ever would have to happen because a dog cannot open his mouth and say, hi, excuse me, I'm napping right now. I would like some personal space. Exactly. A a dog's only way to communicate that is through their mouth. Right. And, And establishing that boundary and not, when I say through their mouth, not through the English language, it's through dog language, which is body language. And a, and a posture and a gesture. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So these are this is these are like the kind of situations where we need to already be respecting the dog's personal space and boundaries so that they never feel intruded upon because the dog doesn't want to have to claim ownership of their space in that way. That's like that's typically like that kind of reaction is only because a dog was pushed to do that. Right, right. And that's not aggressive either. And a dog that would have to do something like that, that was pushed to doing something like that, they're gonna be labeled as a bad dog exactly. or an aggressive dog. Right. And that's not the case at all. That's just a dog that was saying like, hey, give me my space. And you didn't listen the other two or three times that I tried to get away from you or I gave you a warning growl. Like, so now you've pushed me to the point where I literally have to go to extreme measures to claim my personal space. Right, right, wow. And that happens all the time. Mm-hmm. And it's the, these cues that the dogs are giving us for, for the pet parents. And even if you're not a pet parent, but if like you go to someone's house that has a pet or something, right? Like really feed, you know, really feel the energy. Like, does the dog want to be pet right now? Are you, you know, like, does the dog want to just be in his napping space or in his, cause the dog from at least my experience, the dog will show you, the dog will come up closer to you or it won't back away when you're trying. Or if you put down your hand, the dog will come up. Those are all the signs that the dog's willing to interact. Is that accurate? I love Renee that you're at, that you're asking this and that you're bringing this up because I love to talk about the best, the best way to make friends with a dog. Oh, the best way, the best way to make that first impression that ignites that interaction and that new relationship off in the most respectful, no pressure and easy way, right? So even I think with humans, if I didn't know you and we were invited to the same dinner party and I walked in to the room, I wouldn't immediately bombard you with, oh, Renee, hi, how are you? Like giving you a big hug. Like 
we would kind of suss each other out, right? We would maybe smile from a distance. Maybe we would exchange eye contact and, you know, make, make each other's presence known. And then we would have a nice warming up of maybe you would kind of initiate me coming over or I would initiate coming over to you, right? But we wouldn't have this big, like all of a sudden, here I am and I'm putting the pressure on you. You don't know me. Now you have to deal with me. Yeah. Right. We know those people that do show up that way. Right. right. Yes. For sure. We don't need to go down that, that route, but, <laughs> but again, there's a way to be very successful in making a great first impression and, and meeting somebody new. Right. Yeah. So the same goes for a dog. And I always say, the best first impression that you can make on a dog, if you want to create a great friendship right from the get-go, is to not directly engage with them coming into their environment. Mm -hmm. So you come in, no eye contact, no engage, no petting, no like, oh, come here. Hi, how are you? Here's a treat. Oh, you're so adorable. That's a, you come in and do that to a dog. That's a sure-fired way to put the pressure on and really turn them off. Mm. Okay, it's they don't want to deal with you. They don't want to get to know you. They they see you as a perceived danger and potentially something that they have to manage and look look after. Oh wow! So if you if you entertain them and engage with them in that way right from the get go, mm. well you're right off the bat communicating to them that that's the responsibility that they have to have over you. Mm. I know it's a mind bender for a lot of people because again, we're just programmed to think, oh, the dog wants to be my friend or I need to be loving to the dog, but that's not in their world. They don't want that. They don't want to deal with you. You're a perceived danger. You know, the your friend the human that invited you over, well, they know that you're coming, but the dog didn't know that you were. Right, right. Right, so you wanna, you wanna pose as the most non-threatening, together, cool, calm, and collected energy that you possibly can. And you'll see the difference of when you really create that interaction that that when you meet a dog for the first time and that's how you show up and present yourself you'll immediately see that that dog is so at ease in your presence wow. they might just lay right next to you they might just completely go off and go to their bed and oh great I don't have to deal with that human woohoo <laughs> Right, right. And then once you see that they are relaxed in your presence, that's when you can invite them over to you mm. on your terms, right? So as the show, as you're showing up as the leader, as the alpha in that interaction, you're inviting them to come to you. So you're actually giving them an option because Maybe they don't want to come to you. Right. And why should they feel forced to do that? Nobody right. should. Absolutely. Right. So, so in that, 
in that situation, you can extend an invitation on your terms and chances are that dog is going to take you up on it and feel welcome and invited and no pressure because you've already established yourself as being a non-threat. You came into that experience being totally aligned within yourself and not asking them to worry about you or deal with you or manage you at all. And that is a, a relief to them. Yes. But so many people start off those interactions improperly. And then the dog starts barking at them, starts growling, starts avoiding them, uh, doesn't want to approach, uh, feels very nervous and insecure in that particular human's presence. I see it happen like many, many, many times a day. Oh, you do. Wow. Yeah. From that's how dogs develop negative uh, associations with humans. Okay. Are you seeing it? Um, because I know we didn't even share with the listeners, but you have an amazing farm. I looked on your website. I was so blown away by your work. Um, but uh, are you talking about like you see that a lot when other dog, like other dogs' parents, will pick up their dogs and the other dogs are interacting with other people or like different? Yeah. So where I see that a lot is in um, when clients come to me that have issues with their dogs where the, the, the dog is human reactive or very mm -hmm. anxious, or stressed in the company of other humans. Oh. Um, is that a lot of that can stem it from uh, puppyhood where, of course, I mean, that's where it all begins, right? You have the cute dog, the adorable, irresistible puppy that nobody can keep their hands off of. Mm -hmm. And so, I mean, think of it like this. Do you have a child? I don't. I've raised a child before, my godson. Okay, beautiful. So when your godson was a little boy, a baby, a toddler, even a young, a, a young lad, right? When you're out on a walk with him, would it be acceptable for strangers to come and approach him and say, oh, look at that adorable child. I'm just going to touch him. I'm just going to squeeze his cheeks and, and fondle him and, and, and pretend like I, you know, can do whatever I want with him. No, not appropriate. Not appropriate. Hmm. Not appropriate. I was laughing earlier today with somebody. I said, I think that's illegal, you know, I, and it I should think. be. Yeah. Yeah. It should be for people doing that with dogs. Yes. And puppies, because that's the last thing that puppies want is to make friends with every human on the street or to be touched by a million and one strangers. It's completely unfair and it sets our dogs up to fail mm -hmm. and to have very, um, very insecure and traumatic, really, in essence, traumatic uh, relationships with humans. So that's where it starts. And then, of course, we have a, an adolescent dog and then an adult dog that received all of that confusing misinformation in puppyhood and then develops quite 
uh, an aversion and a stress-related response to, you know, to stranger humans throughout, you know, any, whether it's coming into the home, whether it's being out on a walk, uh, it, it's a real problem that I see uh, with a lot of clients that come to me. Wow. So what about, um, I'm sure so many of the listeners, when they're listening back to this podcast episode are going to just literally wish that they were in your town so they could come use your services. Are you, are you only selective to the Chicago area for the place for the area you serve? So Renee, actually, I have clients all over the world. Um, so I, I have, yeah, I have clients in Australia, New Zealand, and France, in the UK, uh, and then I travel all over uh, the U.S. Um, I have clients all over the place, um, but then uh, my hub is in Illinois currently, um, and so I offer the most incredible. Uh, transformational board uh, experience at my farm. Um, but I offer virtual programs uh, worldwide um, and, and also my transformational in-home program um, is offered throughout the US. So I go, I travel to clients' homes um, all across the board. Oh, Sasha, that is amazing. Because I was going to say like any of the listeners out there who are like, oh my gosh, I need to learn more about this and lean into Sasha's work. I was going to say, would you share with them um, where we can find you? Absolutely. Uh, my website is caninestateofmind.com and that's uh, canine spelled out, C-A-N-I-N-E. Um, and then I'm on Instagram, uh, canine state of mind. Um, and then something really exciting that's coming out in July is my first e-course. Uh, so yeah, so that, yeah. And I would love to, um, you know, to share that with you and, and also offer listeners, um, a special, uh, offer, um, uh, if they can, I'll, I'll let you know, you know, when that, when that comes out and, um, We'll, we'll be able to take care of your listeners for sure. Oh, thank you so much. I would absolutely love to check out your work. I think everything that you're doing is so leading edge of this whole new way that us dog parents, and I'm prompt, I'm committing to making the language dog parent versus dog owner. Like I'm committed here in this moment. And for, yeah, for the little ones, for all the little ones out there. Um, but for, for that, I, I would love to lean into and learn more about this from you. Like I said, I'm an animal lover, like anything that I can do to make not even just Cody's life better, but even our neighborhood dogs, you know, more comfortable and confident in really who they are and really understanding the language first and foremost, the behaviors and how us dog parents can really be better. I am 100% behind anything that you're sharing. So I know it's going to be amazing. And I was hoping that you'd have an e-course. <laughs> so Thank you so much for saying that, Renee. It's like music to my heart because this work is not just about transforming the relationship that we have with our own dogs, but it's about, it's, it's the universal. It, it really transcends. And, um, and when you change the energy 
Yeah. You change the whole experience. Yes. Right. And and it it really, it's like the ripple effect. It's the snowball, right? It, it affects everything and everybody. Um, So thank you. my My pleasure. And I know that it's going to have a positive impact on the humans as well. I mean, I'm sure as we go through learning how to be in alignment more with our own energy for our dogs, we'll be able to do it with other relationships in life too, especially even with the self. So this is a huge win for everybody. And I just am so excited to check out your course. I can't thank you enough for being here and sharing with us today, Sasha. Thank you so much. Thanks, Renee. It's an honor. Oh, thank you. Well, everybody who is tuned in, I know that you're walking away with absolute gold. I'm so thankful that you've spent this time with us in this episode, and I look forward to seeing you in another episode. Namaste. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Sasha. You're welcome. Hello and welcome to Namaste with Renee. I am your host, Renee Marcoux, CEO of the iHeart Academy and president of the nonprofit Brady's Foundation. In this podcast, we talk about how to enhance your wellness and disrupt the limitation mindset so you can thrive with a healthy mind, body, and spirit.